everybody, welcome to Fandalites. It's book 54, the ultimate book in the Animorph series. Rachel kills Tom and is killed, but the blade ship escapes. Visor 1 is removed from Alaran, who is fine, I guess. The Andalites show up and try to steamroll the so-called Earth Liberation Army, but Jake doesn't back down on getting morphs for their allies and prisoners. The Hork-Bajir are given Yellowstone, and the Taxon become Anaconda Nothlets and take over the rainforest, although Arboron is poached within the year. Marco works the circuit and gets rich as a war hero, Cassie becomes a big-time government environmentalist and alien diplomat, and Tobias takes Rachel's ashes and flies off. Jake spends the first year pretty depressed about all the war crimes, but Marco gives him a stern talking to at Visor 1's trial, and he gets himself together. Axe becomes a war prince and goes on patrol trying to find the blade ship, which he does, getting captured in the process. It's time to get the old gang back together to rescue him, but not Cassie, who's doing the best work for the world already. The last section is space opera that ends on a cliffhanger because why not? Why not, Brent? Fuck closure. The, the afterword explained exactly why there's no closure here. Because you don't get closure. Because the Animorphs didn't get closure. I don't think that's good enough, Brent. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. That's all you've got. Until the eventual graphic novel uh, picks up exactly where 54 ended. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I don't know if I'll read that. <laughs> I think if they put out an Animorphs graphic novel today, I'd be like, oh, I should read that. But I certainly wouldn't. Wow. Maybe for years. We're learning things about Jenna in this, the the final book of, of Animorphs. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all of the other sci-fi shows that I was super into that had graphic novel spin-offs, which is a lot of them, that I just never read. Like I never I never read the Stargate graphic novels. I love Stargate. I fucking never read any of those. You kidding me, Brent? I w- did every Stargate series have a spin-off graphic novel because oh, there were I a lot of those feel pretty certain they all did stargate sg1 for sure did but i assume the rest of them did as well huh the point is i ain't reading any of them well sorry all just right. moving on with my life that's fair i guess like i suppose there's a reason why when we were talking when when i was saying that the ending of this is kind of like angel uh in the pre-roll you weren't aware that there's a whole story after that season ends continued on in the Dark Horse comics. Oh, uh, that's fair. I did read the Buffy Dark Horse comics oh, those for got, a while. Those, those went downhill very fast. Well, see, that's the thing, Brent. Well, They're the- not always good, and sometimes they can taint the original story as a result. It's it's not an ongoing series, though. A graphic novel is a self-contained thing. Okay, but the Buffy was an ongoing series, Brent. <laughs> yes, it Brent. was. Yes. So... To counterpoint that exact thing you just said, it was an ongoing series. I, Brent, I just like my media objects to exist in the form that they do. That's why I agreed to do this podcast with you, because it had a set ending, and when it ends, that's it. And that's just, it's a perfect little self-contained unit of content. Uh, except for the next episode, because this is not our last episode, <laughs> we're going to have a wrap-up episode. <laughs> yes, we we will have uh, at least one wrap up episode where we do uh, zero space. At least, Brent. Well, I don't. One. We, we have gotten I, a lot of emails, Jenna. I have one more episode in my contract. That contract that I signed with you in blood when we started this podcast. We we agreed to one episode for every book, at least, and then the wrap up episode, and that's it. You don't get me for another episode, Jenna. That that contract wasn't with me. That was with Satan. 
Well, I don't care who it was with, Brent. I'm going to follow it to the letter and no more. All right, fair enough. Why does Satan look so much like you? Is that your choice or Satan's choice? I think he performed a Frollo's maneuver at some point and it just, <laughs> things just went wild. So tell me about how you feel about this book, Brent. This book, uh, I, I have some mixed feelings about. Um, I think I liked it a, like way more than you did. I didn't, I didn't, let me clarify that. I didn't hate this book. I didn't love this book. I thought the series would have been just as well ending with book 53, which hit harder and had more impact and was more devastating. This just sort of, um, it just felt like an epilogue. It didn't feel like a full book. Well, so wait, okay. So let me, let me address that with two points. One, you were complaining earlier about how you don't get closure, but you would pre have preferred it to end with the book where he just says, Rachel, do it, then that's the end of the story. That feels like a more impactful and actual ending to the series than the one we get here. Okay. This, this book feels like it's trying to have its cake and eat it, too. Well, that that's my second point, is I, I'm fairly certain that the entire point of this book is that it there is no clean ending. You You don't get just a, a slice, a cutoff, a hard line, you have to deal with all of the emotional wreckage that comes after this. All of these people are intensely broken. Okay, and uh, there's a point in this book where everybody has taken steps to move on and is are more or less in that place. And then there's like six more chapters after that moment that sets up this next new arc of the space opera chapters. And it's like, it, it just, it didn't feel like it was fully committed to being the end of the series, or a wrap-up, or a continuation. It felt like it was doing all three of those things sort of half-heartedly. Hmm. I, I see and hear your complaint and respect your opinion. <laughs> I just would have preferred, instead of having these time skips where it's like one year later, two years after that, I would have preferred like... One year later, and then the majority of the book is is really engaging super intensely with all that fallout. Instead, I feel like we just got sort of bits and pieces. Like, I don't feel like we necessarily saw Jake's full evolution. We saw the moment that probably changed the, the, the current course. And then we see him training people. <laughs> but we don't get to see that whole that whole process. And that, that, I missed that. I mean, it, it was, you know, an anamorph-sized book. Yep. Which... That they had plenty of room to do more with, but they spent the last six book chapters ramping up for a space opera sequel. Well, you know, I'm still waiting for that sequel, so... <laughs> and the Taxon Chronicles. Yes, and the Taxon Chronicles. <laughs> Man, so let's actually talk about what happened in the book instead of okay, just yeah. uh, how how the book did or did not accomplish its aims. The, the, the first little bit is all about Rachel's death. Yeah, and, uh, it it doesn't take long, but it feels it felt to me like it took a long time, uh, even though it didn't actually take any time. Like it was just horrific and stretched forever uh, while I was reading it. Yeah, it was a very literal blow by blow. I mean, and and she's going out really dark too. I I just kept writing down quotes. She she says this was my place and my time and my own perfection uh, about being in the war, and then. There's a point at which she's like bleeding out as a bear, and she like th thought speaks Tobias, help me, and he's like, I I can't. There's nothing I can do, and she's like, No, you don't understand. 
help me get him. Tell me where to put my paw to get the snake, which is fucking Rachel as hell. Yeah. Yeah, she also says, he had a bear morph, I was my bear morph. Yeah. Which is perfectly Rachel and also pretty intense. Yes. (laughs) She feels ownership of that bear. Yeah. Uh, Of course, it felt, you know... Uh, it sucked that Rachel died and all they got out of it is that Tom died too. And I guess the blade ship didn't get blown up, but, or the, not the blade ship, the, uh, the pool ship didn't get blown up, but, uh, Jake might've been happier if it had. Maybe. I think he'd have been happier if he hadn't sent Rachel to her death. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say that's probably correct. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, they really got her death. They really just did it. <laughs> like, it did take a while, but it was right at the top of the book, which also felt weird to me from a pacing standpoint, because it, it felt like the first three chapters were actually the last three chapters of book 53, uh, and that they just didn't, they they couldn't put it there because then the rest of this book is is just epilogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, uh, we had a lot of people online tell us that we needed to read the Elemist Chronicles earlier, but honestly, I think it would have slotted in just fine between 53 and 54. You you already are pretty certain that Rachel's going to bite it, and then the Elemist Chronicles happens, and then sort of the first part of the Elemist Chronicles happens in, in this. Yeah, I think we could have been fine with the Elemist. There, there is something weird about knowing for certain that one of the Animorphs is going to die before the end. It's not not quite a spoiler, it's just sort of like... A bummer. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you think these books were going to be uplifting? Uh, I mean, the answer to that is no, and do you know that? I just... it, it It's nice to have hope, Brent. Yeah. I wanted to believe Rachel would have survived. I think her de-escalation from the war would have been really fascinating in a way that I think Marco's was not no my god the farther I away mean, we got just... from the war the more obnoxious mark i became yeah I, I, this whole book was just sort of me feeling <sighs> disappointed in my difficult son marco <laughs> and his insistence on being just the worst person oh man he just uh i mean i he Marco. Yeah, it's just that he like went through a full fucking war and it almost feels like he's refusing to really engage with the weight of that in a way that I think is very Marco, but which I don't think is particularly interesting. Like I kept expecting there to be a turn where he was like, yeah, all of this, but actually I was still fucked up. That might have been interesting, but instead he's just like, yeah, I wrote like a bunch of books with bad titles that were actually written by ghostwriters and like i've got a bunch of cars and i date a lot of chicks that i say shitty things about because i'm an asshole i sexually harass everybody i call my butler by a name that isn't his because fuck that guy yeah it's like uh, it's just sort of disappointing that he went through everything he went through and is this person on the other side yeah, it's like it, the war arrested his development at the beginning, and he just regressed to that as soon as it was over. Yeah, which, again, could be interesting, but there's no payoff for it. He's just like an asshole, and then he's an asshole in space. <laughs> oh my god, an asshole in space. 
the Marco story. <laughs> Do you think that his, him having the, the book's ghost written was K.A. sort of making a dig at herself? <laughs> I kind of did think so, yes. I hope it was, at least. I hope that was a wink nod to the, the author, the readers. Yeah, same. Uh, and we so we off screen see or learn that Jara Hami, the first free Hork Bajir, and Arbron, our Tax and Nothlet friend, both died. I just wanted to shout them out. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. Rip. Uh, and Cassie goes on to be like a relative bigwig in the government and writes a bunch of books about how animal brains work, and that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, and and while she's doing that and like working on the Hork-Bajir reservation, which is Yellowstone Park, mm -hmm. uh, she's still studying to be a vet. Yeah, because she's great. she's got a plan. Yeah, she's career minded. She's got goals. She's got things to do. She's gonna fix the earth or something. It took halfway through the book for her to finally just like give up on Jake. Uh, yeah. because like they, they basically didn't interact with each other after the end of the war until Visser one's trial for war crimes at the Hague. <laughs> oh God. Which was a little surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was all weird. <laughs> <Brent>. <laughs> that was weird. The description of like the weird box that they put the Visser in where he can like electronically communicate. And that it was lavender for some obscure Andalite reason. That was all very weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder if they left the cookies in there. <laughs> from the from the briefcase, you think Visor uh, uh, One just likes to to hound down on a box full of cookies? Uh, he's just grown accustomed to them existing in his space, <laughs> worming around in them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I had made a note while I was reading this that if I were Jake, I'd be nervous about getting anywhere near The Hague. Um, and yeah. Visser One's lawyer tries to uh, take that tack and uh, gets shut down pretty resoundly because humanity's like, hey, fuck off. Uh, yeah. Just immediately forgetting that, like, uh, Jake did blow up a city, actually. Yeah, he did do some things. There, like he did, he did do some things. There were definitely some civilian casualties in their in their Bay Area city above the the Yerk Pool. For a moment, I thought that might be what the rest of the book is is that sort of oh. emotional struggle. But again, they sort of deal with it and then move on. Yeah, they uh they they kidnap Jake and force him to morph a dolphin, and that helps <laughs> a lot. And honestly. Like, kudos. I kind of fucking wish I could morph a dolphin and see if that helps. Yeah, that would be great. I kind of thought that they were going to take more therapy in, like, for part of the, the end of the book and make that a thing, uh, and it, it, it did not. Yeah, it just, yeah, this is what I'm saying. It, it seems like there were a few interesting threads and a few threads that I just didn't like reading about, aka Marco's whole deal. Uh, <laughs> and it it didn't really pick any of those up or develop them in super engaging ways because it, it, it the book wanted to hurdle towards the next adventure yeah um i mean i this book had the problem of course that that we've called out in so many previous books in that the size that animorphs books are are not conducive to the amount of shit that animorphs books try to fit in that hmm so yeah, I I definitely think they could have lost a lot of 
weight here. Um, many parts of this hit me, though. Yeah, tell me, tell me about him, Brent. Uh, just, just Jake not being wrong about himself and sort of like he when the war is over he like lives with his parents and he never actually technically finishes high school and like maybe that's fine maybe that's what jake deserves deserves say more about what he deserves (laughs) i'm i feel like this is a trap tell more tell me more about what you mean by you don't think he deserves what to move on or to get his life together? Yeah, I mean, you don't just uh, you don't just flush like thousands of of sentient creatures into space and then just get to move on because hey, it's war. Okay, that's fair. I mean, he does spend a year at least not engaging or not dealing with his guilt or the trauma of what happens. But you saying that he never should have? Well, I mean, it's probably just like a fucking nuclear take. But there's a struggle in the middle of this book during Visser 3's, Visser 1's uh, trial, that whole sequence, where Cassie is trying to, Cassie and the rest of the Animorphs, uh, minus Tobias, who has fucked off to the middle of the woods and I guess just does not visit his mom. I guess not. So, like, that was a whole plot line that was worthwhile. Uh, but there's a whole uh, back and forth about, like, what constitutes war crimes. And uh, uh, Cassie and Marco trying to convince Jake that, because it hits him really hard, because he kind of knows it, that he's done some terrible things. Uh, and he had reasons for them, but he did them. And when Visser 1's lawyers are like, uh, objection, this war criminal is testifying, he should be on trial too. Jake is kind of like, yeah, I probably should. Uh, And they go back and forth trying to convince him that, you know, what he did wasn't war crimes because it was self-defense and it was justified. Uh, But, you know, he did and, and admits to, like, basically just flushing all of those yurks for vengeance and there's kind of a point hidden here i don't know if ka applegate and michael grant meant to make it or not uh, about how war crimes are defined by the people who win a war Uh, and while viscer 3 definitely deserves to be in his specially constructed facility in kansas for fucking ever jake has nothing but himself to punish himself like he doesn't he doesn't have someone else to do that for him so that's kind of on him to do. Uh, it, so I'm curious with that context, because it, it seemed like, it, for me, his emotional journey was really undercut by this desire to go back into space, into battle, to save Axe. Because uh, he really is raring to go for that. Uh, do you think that at all undercuts what you're saying about how he should be punishing himself emotionally? Well, I don't know. The whole like back half of this book sort of undercuts it because he pulls himself out after the dolphin therapy and then sort of slides into a, a teaching job in the military industrial complex, which is pretty dark, I think, uh, for someone who had such inner turmoil during the war with like what they had to do. And then after the war with what he had to do and what he had done, whether he had to do it or not. 
and then like all he can come to uh when he arrives at a semblance of functionality as well let's let's throw some new people into this thresher hmm yeah he specifically his crew for the final voyage to go after axe is six more people <laughs> and it's like okay that's grim that's a grim recreation of your past that you're trying to capture but he tells marco this is his chance to do it right he's gonna make different choices this time and marco's like if you do that we're going to die uh, yeah. and jake's kind of like yeah yeah whatever i i'm i'm gonna make up for it this is my chance to it's a redo and it's it's not, but so he he never really did deal with it. He just sort of compartmentalized enough. And then as soon as this presented itself, he was like, all right, this time I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it right. Yeah, and Cassie doesn't go with him, so they don't have a voice of morality, which might have been a very specific choice on Jake's part. Yeah, uh, and I actually, I made a note out of that, that um, Jake spends a lot of time real... Like, beating himself up and concerned about his ethical decision-making, but then he, like, sort of enthusiastically signs on to a black bag operation and specifically tells the person that he had been outsourcing his morality to during the war, don't come with us, you shouldn't come, you're doing things that are important here. So, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Jake. Yeah, I don't really either. It's just part of why it doesn't feel like closure. He's just sort of spinning off on his own axis. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I still, I still would argue we don't deserve closure cause they didn't get it, but, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm an odd duck when it comes to media. That's fair. I find that I have so little closure in my day to day life that it's nice to engage with media objects that will give me a sense of closure. Hmm. Okay. See, and that sort That's of the, the, the way I come at it is I, I I get irritated by closure, I think, because that's not how things are. Oh, nothing is how things are in media. Media is bullshit. It's supposed to give you some sort of emotional or mental fulfillment. Well, it's supposed to reinforce that you're correct about how fucking dark everything is. Just all oh, the time. I guess <laughs> we, we treat media <laughs> differently, Brent, is what I'm learning. Now, after 60 plus episodes of this podcast. I don't know, man. I don't think I have a coherent... <laughs> philosophy on anything i just say shit as it pops into my head that i knew yeah <laughs> i think all of our <laughs> listeners did as well there are a couple times in this book when people compare jake to rachel like there are a couple moments when uh, one of the other animorphs will be like oh Ray jake was smiling a very rachel smile or or jake had this very rachel attitude about him and i i'm curious based on what you said i'm i'm curious if rachel hadn't become that role within the group if jake might have like if it's some sort of familial instinct that jake didn't engage with because he had to be the leader and he had to operate on instincts rather than fight hmm. i don't know that's a great question I don't know either but i i honestly hadn't ever considered it we know i like we find out in this in this book specifically, uh, that they're a lot more alike, apparently, than had been let yeah. on. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. I kind of, I wish that were, had been more in the series, because that would have been an interesting sort of development there. Did we uh, Did we already talk about how everybody who loves a Berenson is setting themselves up for pain? <sighs> no, but I think you hit it, man. Yeah, that's it, pretty much. There's a quote at the beginning 
those two talking about Tobias and Cassie by loving us would have screwed everything up. Uh, yeah! It's the justification for not telling them that Rachel was going on the blade ship with Tom. And that's a fascinating connection that they both sort of agreed unspokenly that that was how that was going to go. I, I do wish we had gotten to see them more as a cohesive family. Yeah, and I honestly, I kind of wanted to see what, you know, Jake's holidays looked like after the war uh, with <laughs> with his parents and, and Naomi and uh, having, having m- murdered Tom and Rachel both. Yeah, especially since the last couple books were all about Jake and the emotional burden of having lost his family. We never really got sort of a reunion there or any sort of yeah, uh, carry through about that. They're back and then they're just kind of not. Yeah, they're just sort of around. None of the family shows up really at all in this. I, Naomi is at Rachel's funeral and that's about it. Where Tobias runs Tobias off with her ashes. <laughs> fucking weird. That's so... That's so I, I don't know what to do with that. Apparently she has a dope memorial that Jake goes and visits at night sometimes, which, okay. He, he, the, I, the weird thing about that to me is that the guards let him in, even though he's an animorph and he could just like fly to it and hang out there. That's true. I guess he doesn't morph. He doesn't morph for a while. Never mind. I forgot. Well, and also if he were to just fly there, then he would have to sit there at night in his bike shorts and tight t-shirt. And that would be very cold. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. You can't morph a peacoat. (laughs) <laughs> you can morph a peacock, though. So about this book. Sorry, I wanted to move us no, past the thing I just said real quick. Um, but I didn't have a follow up is the problem. <laughs> I really wanted to push us ahead, but I did not have any place to land my statement. So Menderash is thirsty as fuck, right? <laughs> That's That was so weird. Menderash, the uh, one surviving Andalite from Axe's ship, who's like... Uh, we've got to do this thing, and uh, it's got to be human only, and I'm so fucking ready to become a human Nothlet. That was weird. Well, and we find out that, like, after the war, Andalites, kind of rich Andalites, make, mm. uh, uh, it becomes a popular tourist destination to go to Earth and acquire a human morph and then just gorge yourself on Cinnabons. Which I get. I get it. <laughs> right? Um, they also talk about how, like, uh, the Andalites are... Like trading technology secrets with with Earth corporations, which like what the fuck, mm-hmm. Andalites? Come on. Yeah, that was a bummer. Uh, it, the the lot of this book folded out in a way that I thought was realistic, but again, bummed me out. And that was one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the fact that it bummed that me out. Assured Duncan, me that it was realistic. Fucking Dunkin' Donuts is going to get morph capabilities because they're going to put a Dunkin' Donuts on the Andalite homeworld. Andalon runs miserable. on Dunkin'. Awful. Just the worst future. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Ugh. Uh, and then towards the end, we uh, we we get a new sort of player, I think, in the Krayak and Elamist fight. I guess. The one who is many? Yeah, listen, I know who you're talking about. It's just like, I don't care. <laughs> it's just that I have no investment in that story because it's not a story it's the beginning of a story to which we'll never have a middle or an end and doesn't that bum you out i just i don't bum i'm not bummed out by it i just don't care (laughs) i just like okay axe is gone and 
probably not gone gone, but there's this thing that looks like him that has mouth and teeth. That's pretty good. I'm picturing it like a clutch cargo type situation with the the mouth and teeth just sort of floating around on his uh on, on his mouthless andalite face. I like that. <laughs> like it's just like I'm picturing like it's drawn on with crayon. Oh yeah, okay, I can see that too. Yeah, like the uh, the hamsters in those Quiznos commercials. Ugh, but yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. Yeah, how do you feel about this new the one? Well, I mean, my first thought was, oh, it's like a father-type entity. Actually, the first thing I thought was, ah, shit, Tom's Yerks or Krayak's new Howlers. Uh, oh, I like that. But uh, it, it was a completely new player, like a pre-fourth-dimensional Krayak and Elemist. And uh, I don't know, I, I took it as uh, just sort of a, a statement about how the, the the cyclical nature of things, how there isn't really an end, it just keeps happening and this eternal war between Krayak and the Alamist, like, well, it's not always going to be the stalemate that it is just because it's outside of time, which is a weird thing to say. (laughs) I really expected the book to end with like a zoom out and some sort of state of affairs with Krayak or Alamist or both. Um, But we don't really get any sort of anything with them. Well, you know, we can provide our own sort of zoom out and state yeah. of affairs. Uh, now, yeah. now to to our gentle listeners at home, we we can't afford the rights to "Don't You Forget About Me" by Simple Minds, but we'll give you a second here if you'd like to cue that up. Uh, that that should be playing behind this next bit. Imagine that this is all a freeze frame of each character with with white text on a black background. I'll give you a second to cue it up here. Rachel died in the war, but had a spaceship named after her. Only Tobias knows where her ashes are scattered. Jake lived with his parents until he took a job training new soldiers in the combat application of morphs. He is currently lost in space. Tobias lived out the next few years in the isolation of his meadow. He is also currently lost in space, unless he's died of wildlife-related parasites. Marco sold multiple books and had his own TV show. He is currently lost in space, which likely saved many actresses from being sexually harassed. Cassie became special assistant to the president for resident aliens. She works on the Hork-Bajir reservation in Yellowstone and is studying to be a vet. Esplin 9466 was convicted of multiple war crimes. He is still serving his sentence at a specially constructed prison in Kansas. Arbron was shot and killed by poachers. Tom's followers relocated to space Argentina. Prince Aximili Eskarauth Isthil was absorbed by the one who is many, he commands the blade ship and what's left of Tom's Yerks. Krayak and the Elemist remain locked in their eternal game of civilization. It's still a stalemate. The Drode is wanted for crimes against taste, propriety, and the Land O'Lakes Corporation. He remains at large. I hope I timed that right.